Good morning. I'm really pleased to be here. It's such a privilege to share the Lord's Word with you. And today we're going to continue in our series of King of My Heart as we celebrate Jesus. And we do so by looking at the kings of Israel and Judah. And we take away from those uh, experiences insight and application for our own lives. Today's sermon is entitled Solomon, the Compromising King and the Wisdom of God. And I'm going to give you a spoiler alert if for some reason you've never heard the story of Solomon, so put your hands over your ears if you don't want to know it. But Solomon is one who God blessed with wisdom beyond measure. He is one who compromised and lost a kingdom. And he is an example when we are tempted to compromise. And we should be looking to the king of our hearts. Let me invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 3. This is in about a quarter of the way back from the beginning of your Bible. And I'm tasked today with covering 11 chapters. But relax, we're not going to read all 11. I'll read from chapters 3, 4, and 11. And let's start with 1 Kings 3, 5 to 14. May we please stand for the reading of the word. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God asked, or said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to come in or go out. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked for this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been seen before and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And we go to Kings, 1 Kings 4, 29 to 30 and 34. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all people on the east and all the west wisdom of e- more than all the wisdom of Egypt. 
and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Now we turn to chapter 11. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not wholly follow the God as follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountains east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege to come together to worship you, to listen to your word, to grow in wisdom through your timeless truth. Lord, we are prone to compromise, sometimes in ways that we shouldn't. If we are not careful, we can begin in danger of drifting and even falling away from you. Help us to look to Solomon's life so that we might learn the wisdom that you have for us this morning, wisdom that we need to apply to our own lives. May the words of the, my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Since Solomon was a man, and since he was the wisest of men, it occurred to me as I was beginning my preparation that maybe I would look up to see what wise quotations I could find from other men. I went online. I found a website that had 21,288 quotations about wisdom. I thought, this must be a gold mine. They ranked each one of these quotes with likes. They listed the top 30 wisdom quotes, so you, excuse me, it's the top 3,000, so you could read them. And I started reading them and read through many of them before I got tired of them, so I decided to go back to the top one and look at the one that was ranked with the most likes, the one that was most approved by people at this site. The top quote about wisdom received 44,657 likes. 
So I will share the number one quote of mankind on this site with you. More than 44,000 likes out of 21,000 quotes. And here it is. The fool doth think he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. William Shakespeare, as you like it. And I looked at that for a while, and I didn't have too much trouble with the first half. The fool doth think he is wise, because I know people, and perhaps I have done the same myself, who think be foolish but think they're wise. And I think it's actually biblical in so many words. But the second half I had a problem with. The wise man knows himself to be a fool. That's a little circular. How are you wise when you know you are a fool? Well, maybe if you just keep quiet about it, that would be one sort of wisdom. But in any event, I thought the number one quote wasn't very inspiring. And then I turned where I really wanted to go in the first place. I turned to my Bible, and I got my concordance out. And I found that there were over 400 quotes that use the word wisdom or wise. And I started reading through the minuscule print in my concordance, and I realized I didn't have the time to read 400 of these either. So I went looking for things that I recognized pretty quickly, and I'll share just a couple with you. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. How about Psalm 11.10? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. And then there's Proverbs 9.10. This is attributed to Solomon himself. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. There are many more I could come up with, and I apologize if I haven't happened to mention your favorite because there are over 400 of them. There's a lot of wisdom. We even have sections of the, a section of the Bible called the wisdom literature, and much of that is attributed to Solomon. So let's start to the first place here. Solomon asked God for wisdom. God came to Solomon in a dream, and he invited him to ask what I shall give you. Those words are an invitation for Solomon pretty much to ask for whatever he wanted. And God has already indicated by the statement that he's going to give it to him. Imagine receiving such a statement yourself from God. What would you ask God to give you? So let's do a little thought experience. I'll give you just a moment, not long. What's the first thing that pops into your head that you would ask the creator of the universe to give to you. Do you have it? Did you think of wisdom? Well, I wonder. A lot of people might say a better job, a bigger house, improved health. How about eternal salvation for all family members? Well, maybe you did think of wisdom, because after all, that's what we're talking about, and the suggestion has been placed here. But what did we think about and how we answer that question says a little bit about how, who we are and, and how our minds are set. So Solomon responded, and he responded by acknowledging God's past favor to David, his father, 
Well, this is a form of praise to God for having been faithful. And he acknowledged a continuance of God's favor for himself. Again, praise and also thanksgiving, I'm sure, because he's on the throne. And then he expressed humility. I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. My father used to say he didn't know if you were coming or going. And I think that's probably what Solomon felt like because scholars think that Solomon was probably 20 years old and just on the throne at this point. And they were probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 4 million people in Israel. He was the leader of all of that with no prior experience other than what David had taught him. And he acknowledges he's in the midst of God's people implying the magnitude of the duties that he has. Then Solomon makes his request. And he delighted God when he did so. Because he asked for an understanding mind to govern your people. That I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon did not ask for a long life for himself. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for the life of his enemies that he would be secure. But did ask for an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. So God gave it to him. It gave him a wise and discerning mind. But he was so pleased at the way, the humble way that Solomon spoke to him and answered him. He also gave him riches. Now, among the riches he received were gold and silver and well, trade and all kinds of things he had. And the Bible actually mentions a quantity of, of gold, so I decided to look it up. The equivalent of it today in one year uh, was 23 metric tons of gold. That's 811 ounces of gold. At today's price, because I looked it up for Friday, $1.6 billion in one year. And that's just the gold. This man was wealthy. He also gave them him honor. And that honor was displayed so much across all the Middle East that kings from all over came to talk with him. And then God gave him a conditional gift as well. If he will walk in God's ways, keeping God's statutes and commandments, he would also lengthen his days. He would give him a longer life. And after that, Solomon went back to Jerusalem before the Ark of the Covenant, and he made burnt offerings and peace offerings, and he had a feast for his servants. So we see that God wants us to ask him to meet our needs. He appears in a dream and tells Solomon, ask what I will give you. And God delights when our requests are in alignment with his purposes, such as Solomon, who did the same. And shouldn't we be delighting God, at least at part of the time during our prayers? Our prayers would praise God as Solomon's did. And we would thank him for the many things he has given us already. Christ has given us the hope of salvation, eternity with him forever. That's certainly worth untold thanks 
from each of us. We should acknowledge our fallen nature and the hope we have for eternity because of the finished work of Christ. We should ask for the intercession of others, just as Solomon did for the people of Israel. And then we should also ask for our current needs in ways that glorify and delight God because they align with his kingdom purposes. God delights in meeting our needs and giving us more than we ask for. He will give us what we need, not necessarily what we think we need, but he'll do it in a way that benefits us most. And that's chapter 3. Chapters 4 through 10 tell us the outcome, what transpired after this and, and Solomon was on the throne. And I'm just going to give a summary here because we would be here far too long if I did any more. But chapter 4 summarizes what God gave Solomon. It says it gave him wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore. How much is that? That is a huge, huge capacity to be wise. And through the rest of chapters 4 through 10, you find that he had great judicial ability. As children, we probably heard the time when Solomon was met with two mothers who were claiming the same child, and his answer was to split the baby down the middle and give each half, realizing that the real mother would be horrified by that. And then he gave the real mother the baby. When things like this get to the Bible, besides being inspired, these are things that are noteworthy in the minds of the people who write the Scripture. So he must have been very, very judicially oriented. He also showed wisdom in the administration of state affairs. And if you read through one of the chapters, you'll find name after name of person who did different things in setting up the kingdom. And he had a very orderly kingdom. He had a faithful building project going. He built the temple first, and then he bent, built his own palace. It took him seven years to build the temple of the Lord. Now, it might say something to him that it took 13 years to build his palace afterwards, but at least he built the temple first. He had exceptional ability in international trade. He had a constructive alliance with Hiram of Tyre, and they did a lot of building throughout Israel together. And then there's the visit of the Queen of Sheba. You may have remembered that from childhood also. She's heard about how wise he is, comes and spends some time with him. They exchange some gifts. And when she leaves, it, her response is, I didn't know the half of it. This man is very wise. And he gave him untold wealth. The wisdom that Solomon had points further than himself. It goes beyond Israel. It points to a messianic king who is going to come in the future. We, of course, know who that is, Jesus Christ. But at that time, he did not know the name. But it points to Jesus through Isaiah 11, 1 to 2, which says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. 
Is there any wonder why God was so delighted with Solomon's request? It points to the one king, the king of our heart, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Colossians 2.3. The king of my heart and the king of your heart. Wise beyond Solomon, a wisdom that doesn't fail. I'm reminded of a Peanuts comic strip. Lucy is reading a book to Linus, and it's probably about King Midas because she says, so the king was granted his wish, and everything he touched turned to gold. And she goes on about this a little bit, and then she says, now, the next day, and Linus says, stop, stop. I don't want to hear anymore. I, I know what's going to happen. And as he grabs his blanket and walks away, he says, these things always have a way of backfiring. And boy, did it backfire for Solomon. Because having gone through, having gone through 10 chapters already, we get to the 11th chapter. But before we do, I want to tell you about a heart condition. Twelve years ago, I had a triple bypass when I suffered a heart attack. They put me on the machines, and they cut my chest wide open. They had machines breathing for me. My heart was stopped, the pumping blood through a machine. And then they took four veins out of my leg to graft onto my heart. They only ended up needing three of them because two of the bad places were close together. But at the same time, I am totally out. One day I was fine, or so I thought, and the next day they were ripping my chest open. And this day, as of this time, now I live with the idea that I don't know whether I have six years left or maybe even 30 years left, because my parents lived in 97 and 101. Or maybe I have no years left, and this is my last one. We will all eventually have a heart failure, whether it's our heart that fails or the rest of our body fails and the heart stops with it. But Christianity gives us a glorious future. And if you ever question that, read the last two chapters of Revelation, chapters 21 and 2. It is magnificent, and it makes Solomon's wealth look like nothing, because by comparison, it is nothing. But there are other dangerous heart issues besides physical ones. Solomon lived it because there is also such a thing as a spiritual heart condition. And a heart attack, spiritual heart attack is a dreadful thing. So just when you thought everything was going well with Solomon through the first 10 chapters, we come to chapter 11 which begins, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, who happened to be his first wife, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord has said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they marry uh, with you, for surely they will turn your heart after their gods. He's referring to Deuteronomy. 
1 to 4. 7, excuse me, Deuteronomy 7, verses 1 to 4. Before the Israelites enter the land of Canaan. Now notice here, God wasn't concerned about Solomon's wealth. He wasn't concerned with his power or any other excess he may have had in his life. In fact, he had given him much of that. But, was he, but he was concerned about his heart. Five times in verses 2 to 4, God mentions the word heart when he's referring to Solomon. And in verse 2, it says, Solomon clung to his wives in love, all 700 of them. Solomon's heart turned away from God. Solomon went after other gods. The wisest man in history, in his old age, built high places for the gods of his wives, in verse 7. And so he did for all his foreign wives, verse 8. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord. And God was angry. Heart disease tends to creep up on you a little by little. It's not apparent to the human eye. The day before my heart attack, I felt a little sluggish. I just thought I was tired, working too hard. We all get that idea sometimes. Yet I woke up in the morning at about 5 o'clock with a pain in my chest that wasn't there when I went to bed, and I knew I hadn't eaten anything that was going to be a problem. Well, spiritual heart failure is the same way. It also tends to creep up on us. Solomon's sin was subtle. Sure, you could look back in the scriptures and find out where he blatantly violated what God told him not to do. But in his day-to-day -day life, it was much more subtle. He didn't just wake up one day and just decide to build high places for all his wives that day. And he didn't just decide to go after other gods on a whim. It was the buildup of small compromises. There was no sudden temptation for Solomon, not like Bathsheba was for his father. There weren't any trials or adversity that he was dealing with because there were no wars, there were no famines, there was no health crisis. It was when he was old. Now, success may very well have spoiled him, forgetting that God had given him everything that he had now that he was on the throne. And corrupted worship crept in with idols in high places that he began to build for his foreign wives. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God. That's the quotation. Not wholly true. He had a divided heart. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, who was his first wife. Scripture tells us and the Lord was, that the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, since it has been your practice, practice is something that's stretched out, 
Since it has been your practice and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Chapter 11, 9 to 11. So what had been his practice? Well, if you look back, you'll find that he did at least three things that the Lord had commanded the Israelites not to do. And he does it in chapter 17 of Deuteronomy, 14 through 20 of the verses. And he's speaking to the people of Israel, someday you're going to have a king, and the king shall not do these things. So this is directly related to whoever may be king. He told them not to acquire horses from Egypt because he didn't want the, his people going back to the country that he had pulled them out with Moses. So what did Solomon do? Well, at some point he decided he needed a bigger army and he bought chariots and horses from Egypt. As far as we know, God didn't chastise him for that, although I'm sure he didn't look at it favorably. A second thing, as you specifically told the Israelites, your king shall not acquire many wives because it will take, they will take his heart away from me. Well, he managed to violate that one uh, 700 times, and many of them were foreign. The third thing he said the king should not do is acquire excessive silver or gold. Well, we already know it's $1.6 billion in one year, and he had trade coming in and silver coming in. That's not all listed as to how much it was. But he was the wealthiest of men. So God gave him riches, but he did not want him to have excessive silver or gold. Do not sit here and just acquire wealth. But there was one thing he wanted the king to do. Read the book of the law all the days of your life that you may know me. The question for the application of this for us might be, do we suffer from the same practice? If we look at the things that are extending in our lives, certainly with different circumstances, are our hearts not wholly true to the Lord our God? You know, physical heart disease requires a checkup. I had one this past week. But so does spiritual heart disease. I leave it to you to decide where you may be and what kind of a checkup you need to do, if any, with the Lord. And it's not like Solomon didn't know this. Because remember, he wrote much of the wisdom literature. He wrote literally thousands of verses. One of them is Ecclesiastes 7.8. And it says, Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And here's a man who knows the ending should be better than the beginning and he's drifting the other way. So what should we do, and what should he have done? We need to look to the king of our heart, 
the king, each of us should say, the king of my heart. He has the wisdom that doesn't falter. You know, to have a healthy heart, you need the true king to abide in us. We have a similar opportunity as Solomon does. We can ask for wisdom and discernment. Unless you think that this somehow Solomon was so far beyond us, God doesn't do this anymore. James 1.5 clearly says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Where do we find this wisdom? And Paul makes this clear in Colossians 2, 2 to 3, when he tells us that we can receive all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We have available to us greater wisdom and knowledge than Solomon possessed, by far, infinitely better. So in a sense, we are all individually like Solomon. The question is, even though we're in the shoes of Solomon, are we like Solomon when he was 20 years old? You know, as believers, we already love the Lord and live according to his teachings. Are we still living that way? Or were we like Solomon when he was an old man? Do we go after other gods, little g, success, wealth, fame, whatever the world offers, forgetting the God who gives generously to all without reproach? Now, let me point down. Wealth is something that he gave Solomon. Fame is something he gave Solomon. Success is something he gave Solomon. Whatever the world offers, not so much. But forgetting God, who gives generously to all without reproach, is the problem if we become like Solomon when he was an old man. Or more than likely, we're somewhere along the spiritual path in between those two extremes. Has it been our practice for some time now to compromise with God? To not be wholly true to the Lord our God? I look back at that William Shakespeare quote again. The fool thinks he is wise. Okay, I get that. I didn't have a problem with that. It was the second part. The wise man who knows he is a fool. I'm wondering if that's where Solomon was. The man who wrote the wisdom literature, after God says he's going to rip the kingdom away from him, is he the wise man who now knows he's a fool? So maybe Shakespeare had something after all. We need to look to the king of our hearts. He abides us in us, and we abide in him. We are branches grafted into the vine of Christ if we are Christians. If we are not Christians, we need to look at the story of Solomon, see where he ended up, realize who Jesus is, and search for and find the king of your heart. Because if you do not do that, the king of your heart will never be there at the end.
Solemn is a dim version of the riches of Christ. As wealthy as he was, as noteworthy as he is, he does not begin to compare to the riches that Jesus Christ offers us. Who among us would take the $1.6 billion for our human lifespan rather than eternity with the king of heart, king of your heart? If you're having a problem with that, again, look at Revelation 21 and 22. It's a no-brainer. We can still go home today and pray to God through Christ. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind that I may discern between good and evil. I think that's a prayer we can pray over and over at various times in our life. And let us pray now. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning having considered the life of Solomon. And as we do so, we can recognize ourselves somewhere in the story of his life. How wonderful it would be if we are like the young Solomon who comes to you and asks for wisdom and understanding so that we might do your will. And how dreadful it is, Lord, if we are like the elderly Solomon going after success or fame or some other worldly idol forgetting the God who gives generously to all without reproach. More likely, Lord, we are probably somewhere in between, for none of us is perfect and we are prone to wander. And we may have some practices in our lives now that amount to the compromises, the effect of which is for us not to wholly be true to you. We humbly ask, Lord, that whatever, wherever you, we are, you encourage us to go home today and in secret prayer have a checkup with you concerning our spiritual lives to discover where our hearts really are. May we come to you asking for forgiveness where needed and for wisdom and discernment to move in the new direction if necessary and to be wholly true to you and to give thanks for all that you do for us, the wealth you have poured out on us and continue to do so. We acknowledge, Lord, that as Christians we abide in Christ and he abides in us. Let us help us, Lord, to be obedient to Christ, to draw from his sustenance and wisdom, that each of us may say with a full heart, give your servant an understanding mind that I may discern between good and evil. We offer this prayer in the name of your son Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and the King of our heart. Amen.